Today, we're talking about how to discern good pain from bad pain when returning to running after you heal an overtraining injury. One of the biggest concerns of injured athletes returning to activity is whether or not they should be concerned about pain when they start to run. This is a great question, and certainly it's a valid concern. Pain is your body's indicator that something is not right, but you have to figure out which pain is acceptable and which is unacceptable. And let's face it, most doctors would say pain is abnormal and unacceptable, but what about when you run? What about during your mile repeats, hill repeats, or long runs? I don't know about you, but I feel like I have pain during every one of my hard workouts, especially if I'm doing them correctly. One of the biggest limiters in terms of regulating your activity when you've been injured is pain. So the big key with returning to running is learning how to recognize and manage that limitation. Pain is a fact of life for athletes. You have to recognize that after you race, you're going to have pain when you start running. You're going to have varying levels of pain whenever your fitness level is low. You're almost never going to have a pain level of zero with your initial runs after a period of recovery. That's true after a long period of rest following a marathon or an Ironman. It's usually true after a period of rest during the off-season. And it's especially true after a long period of rest following a period of forced rest when you've had an overtraining injury. The big confusion comes in when you've had an overt injury like a metatarsal stress fracture or some other type of overtraining injury or overuse injury. Now, after you've treated the injury, whether that treatment involves an immobilization in a fractured walking boot or a cast, or if you treated the injury with crutches, or if you treated it just with not running, um, or maybe you treated it with decreasing your activity by not running and instead just cycling and swimming instead of running, whatever treatment you've been doing, you've modified your activity and you've reduced your running significantly to try to get that injury to heal. Now, when doctors say use pain as your guide, um, or we say we don't want you to have pain, what we really mean is we don't want you to have pain that's the same pain in the same way that was representative of your injury. Now, lots of people have pain after injury. That's completely normal. What we're really talking about, though, is is about figuring out which pain is acceptable and which pain is really an indicator that you're about to worsen your injury again and undo all the healing that you've just achieved. Now, there's a very big difference between those two types of pain, and it's something that you can actually figure out. Lots of people have pain after injuries. It should be expected that at some point during your recovery, you're going to have pain. For example, after I had a reconstructive knee surgery, the most painful part of the entire surgical recovery process was at about six weeks after I had the operation. So my knee was completely stiff and it wouldn't bend at all. I went to physical therapy and they decided to mobilize my knee because it was completely locked up and rigid because my knee had developed lots of scar tissue. The physical therapist had to forcibly move my stiff knee and bend it back and forth to break up all the scar tissue that was locking it up. It just didn't want to move. Now, that was by far the most painful part of the entire surgery. It was even more painful than waking up in the hospital after surgery. But that pain was expected. My orthopedic surgeon, I mean, he didn't necessarily want me to have pain, but he wouldn't say that it was bad. He would say it was normal. The physical therapist, I mean, she told me, she said, okay, get ready. This is going to hurt. And she was right. It sure did. 
Now, lots of people have pain after injuries. It should be expected that at some point during your recovery, you're going to have pain. So when you're recovering after an overtraining injury like a stress fracture, you have to expect that you're going to have some pain. There's going to be pain through the process, but you have to make sure that you can monitor the pain and make sure that whatever you're doing is not going to cause you further harm. There seems to be this, this myth um, some kind of misconception that you have to wait until you're 100% pain-free until you start exercising. There's also widespread there's also this widespread misconception that that you won't have any pain or discomfort at all when you resume your activity and you get back to running. And that's just not true. So I mean it may be true that if you wait until you're completely healed um that's true, but you have to realize that healing an overtraining injury like a metatarsal stress fracture could take a very long time. I mean, really, the complete healing, if we say complete healing of a metatarsal stress fracture, that means that your foot has completed the inflammatory phase of healing, the proliferative phase of healing, and the remodeling phase. And what you may not realize is that the remodeling phase of bone healing can go on for a year to 18 months. And no doctor is going to tell you that you have to sit on the couch and wait an entire year before it's safe to run on a metatarsal stress fracture. That's just ludicrous. So one of the first concerns that patients express to me when they start running is that they have these weird random occurrences of pain. Maybe it's a sharp pain that they only feel for a second. Maybe it's throbbing pain that they only feel occasionally. Maybe it's a soreness that they feel when they um, only step on their foot in a certain direction a couple of times a day. All these different random pains can start to make you worry that you're going to break something again. You start to freak out and worry that you haven't completely healed. That totally makes sense. You start to picture yourself in the doctor's office being told that you have to put your foot back in the fracture walking boot or you have to start using crutches again. So it's no surprise that any intermittent painful sensation in your foot when you're running can cause anxiety. Now, you can get these random sort of occurrences of pain for lots of different reasons after you have had a metatarsal stress fracture that is still in the process of healing. For example, going back to my knee surgery example, uh, even after I was basically recovered and cleared for activity, I would get pain. I could be driving along in my car or sitting at my desk at work, and I'd get these sudden sharp jolts of pain in my knee. Sometimes um, they were right over my kneecap. Sometimes the pain was on the outside of my knee. But much of that pain was really just from nerves growing back and soft tissue remodeling. It's part of the healing process with the scar tissue being replaced by healthier tissue. But none of these painful episodes lasted for very long. I would just get this weird pain. The pain didn't hang around. It, it would almost immediately dissipate. It was never pain that would last for days. It was just some momentary weird ache or sharp pain. But to be clear, as soon as I would have any pain at all, it would cause me to worry. I would start to think something was wrong with my knee. You can get these little random episodes of pain as the nerves regenerate. You can also get pain as the soft tissue is changing. You can get pain as the scar is remodeling. You can get pain as bone healing is happening. And you can certainly get pain if the scar surrounding the injured structure starts to break up when you start to move it. These weird random pains don't concern me at all, particularly when they're not in the same spot. If these little episodes of pain crop up in different locations intermittently, that wouldn't be, I wouldn't be very concerned that they're actually related to the primary injury itself. I just think of it as part of the recovery process. 
So let's imagine that you've had a metatarsal stress fracture. It's been healing. You've gone through the process of immobilizing the fracture in your fracture walking boot, or you've been wearing stiffer shoes for a period of time. Maybe you're you're even on crutches. Of course, you probably stopped running as well. But whatever the treatment was that you used, it seems to have healed. Even if the tenderness or sharp episodes of pain may be in the same spot, if they're intermittent and unrelated to activity, it's unlikely that they would be an indicator of ongoing damage or worsening of the injury. What we're concerned about when you're returning to activity and you're getting back to running is further damage. If you go out and run and you can run a mile and you're vaguely sore because you haven't been running for a month or two, I would think that that's normal. That doesn't really surprise me. When I had surgery, I didn't run at all for a few weeks. So when I first ran, everything was sore. No surprise, I hadn't run for weeks. So feeling some discomfort and soreness with that initial run is expected. It's, it's probably not really a big deal. So it's not even necessarily localized achiness or soreness after a run that's most worrisome. Soreness itself is not a big deal. It's really about how long that soreness hangs out and what happens. So in evaluating that pain, the thing to consider is that if you go for a run and you've had a stress fracture and it kind of aches a little bit here and there when you run, that doesn't really worry me. Recovering patients will often describe these little instantaneous pinching sensations, and you don't know what to make of them. But to me, those little sharp fleeting sensations are more representative of like a nerve type pain. I think they often happen when the nerves are regenerating. Uh, They also usually happen when you're sitting still. If you've had these sort of momentary intermittent sharp pains when you're walking or running, that that could be scar tissue breaking up. You just have these little strands of collagen that are getting pulled apart where you've had some scar tissue when your foot's been sitting still and it's been injured. You just have to make sure that what you're sensing is not an ongoing injury or worsening of your stress fracture. And there is a way to figure that out. The stuff that is worrisome to me is if you're ramping up your mileage and you go from one mile to two miles to three miles or whatever, and you're running in decent shoes, you're trying to run with good form, even though you can't really run with great form when you haven't been running much, you're still trying to pay attention to it. You're running on a reasonably flat ground. You're not running on uneven trails where you're pronating and supinating all over the place. You're going for reasonable runs. The worst thing to me is that every time your foot hits the ground with every single foot strike, every time the foot lands, it hurts in the same spot. If it hurts and your throbbing pain in that same area is is, kind of the same as the pain that you had when you developed a stress fracture, that is worrisome. You should not continue to ramp up your mileage if that's happening. That's a definite. If you have bruising and swelling that you can clearly see correlating with those painful episodes, ignoring it is clearly a bad idea. You need to stop whatever you're doing and reevaluate. However, if you're ramping up your activity and those weird achy sensations and sort of pains don't seem to increase in frequency, they don't seem to increase in intensity, then I would actually have very little worry or concern that the stress fracture would recur or happen again. It's really just an issue of trying to determine, is this a pain to worry about or not? The pains that any recently recovering injured runner should worry about are throbbing pains or soreness with every single step, every time you land when you run. Throbbing pain after you've gone for a run is also concerning. If you go for a run, you get home, and you're having throbbing pain or aching in the foot while you're just sitting around, that is cause for concern. Or if you wake up 
and you went for a run the day before, and then the very next morning after your run, you have lots of pain while you're still sitting in bed, and right when you get up and start walking on it, that pain persists as you're walking on it after you wake up. Those things are also very worrisome to me. However, if the day after you run, you wake up and you think, I don't know, I I guess I have some general soreness because I haven't been running very much. If you have the usual sort of soreness all over that you would expect after you haven't been exercising, you've lost your fitness, like when you go for a run and you're out of shape, all of that's normal. If you have a little bit of random sharp pains off and on, even while you're sitting at your desk or driving a car, but they don't really seem to correlate with when you're walking or when you're really active, that's kind of normal. But as long as the pain isn't really increasing in frequency or intensity, I wouldn't get too concerned about it really. What you have to realize is that you can't panic if you have just a little bit of pain. So let's hypothetically say that you have a 1 out of 10 pain level when you're running. The pain isn't with every step. Let's say the pain is intermittent. You have this very small amount of pain off and on throughout your entire run, but you also seem to have a 1 out of 10 pain level intermittently throughout the day. Again, it's inconsistent. It doesn't seem to correlate directly with activity. If you've been paying attention to the pain and you're sure of the pain level, like you can put a number on it when it's happening, then you have a great baseline to use for comparison as you alter your activity and your activity level. If you don't have any of the worrisome kinds of pains that I mentioned, then one simple approach is to monitor your pain level and start ramping up your activity and just see what happens. The easiest way to evaluate whether or not you're safe to progress any further and continue to assess whether or not you're really at risk of doing damage to your foot is to keep a pain journal. Many runners think keeping a pain journal seems kind of tedious and perhaps even ridiculous, but it can be really valuable. An easy way to do it is to take your training log and just add a column for pain. If you want, you can add a second column to note the location of the pain. You could even add a third column for a description of your pain. It just depends upon how much information you want to keep. Some people really want to keep track of everything. And the truth is, the more information, the more useful it is. For example, if you say, okay, I went for a two-mile run on Tuesday, and then you woke up on Wednesday morning, you noticed that you had no pain when you woke up. When you got out of bed, you started walking, you had a sharp pain that lasted for just a few seconds, but then the pain was gone. You didn't really have any other pain the rest of the morning. So now you know how much pain you had, how long the pain lasted, and where the pain was located. As long as you have a baseline and you know how much pain you have before you really started returning to activity, and you have a way to gauge whether or not the injury could be getting worse. If you have a week or more of a consistent low pain level, especially pain that is short-lived or intermittent, then it's probably safe to start ramping up your activity. If you've had sufficient healing and you run every other day and you start out with short distances at a moderate pace, you should have a very low risk of re-injury. So let's say you always had a 1 out of 10 pain level over the last week or two and you're sure of that. That gives you a sense that you can start ramping up your activity level and you can see what happens. So if you run one mile every other day, you have no bruising or swelling, it seems like it would be safe to conclude that you're not going to make anything worse as long as your pain level is not increasing. If you then increase to running two or three miles every other day and you still don't have any increase in pain, you don't have any bruising or swelling, I wouldn't be concerned that you're really at risk of re-injury or that that risk is increasing. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? 
The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler, in my experience, is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different, and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert, and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. Two, he's going to be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are going to result in a more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. If you then increase to running two or three miles every other day and you still don't have any increase in pain, you don't have any bruising or swelling, I wouldn't be concerned that you're really at risk of re-injury or that that risk is increasing. So let's say that you run every other day and you keep tracking your pain level during the run, the evening of your run, and the morning after your run, and you can clearly see a trend where that pain is increasing, say from a, a two or three out of ten, uh, and it's lasting for five minutes every morning. Then after a few days, you notice that when you start walking in the morning, the pain seems to be lasting for an hour every morning. And a couple of days later, you notice that the pain seems to be lasting for two hours and the pain level has increased up to a five out of 10. This is clearly a trend that's going in the wrong direction. In my mind, the goal is always to ramp up the activity as much as possible and as quickly as possible so that you can maintain as much fitness as possible while not doing any damage and while allowing the healing to persist. You want the healing to continue. You want to make sure that the stress fracture or what in, whatever injury you might have is resolving. You want to make sure that it will continue to get stronger and more stable. You want it to heal. You just need to make sure that you stay within your threshold for recovery and not cross over that line and develop a re-injury or the equivalent of another overtraining injury. You can really only monitor that with three things, pain, bruising, and swelling. If you keep a pain journal and you're sure that you have no bruising or swelling, then all you have is pain, and, and pain is all you have to go by. So in that sense, I would start deliberately ramping up activity while being cautious and remembering that stress is the overall thing that you're trying to modify. And you have to remember that you're trying to modify the amount of global stress, not just the amount of stress to the specific injured metatarsal from gravity. It's not just the pounding to the bone. It's the overall stress that matters. Remember, it's called a stress fracture. All forms of stress can contribute to a stress fracture. Sure, pounding your feet incessantly with 50-mile runs is an obvious high level of stress, but so is taking on a new level of responsibility at work. That can be stressful. Sleep deprivation is stressful. So is nutritional stress, like a poor diet because you're traveling. 
all forms of stress can inhibit healing and help contribute to pushing you over the edge past your threshold for injury and getting an overtraining injury. This is particularly true when you're recovering after you have healed or you're currently healing from an overtraining injury like a stress fracture. You want to think about reducing the global amount of stress during a 24-hour period. Most of the stress that you do to your foot is going to be during your run. If you run in fairly stable or cushy shoes, whatever the case may be that that you need for your particular foot type and running biomechanics, and you're running on fairly flat ground, and you're running at a reasonable pace, and you're trying to run with the best possible form that you can given your level of fitness, you remove a lot of variables and you remove a lot of stress. In contrast, if you're running on fast, on uneven trails and unsupportive shoes, then you might be asking for trouble. In my mind, though, the goal should be to maintain this progressive increase of mileage. You want to stick to a reasonable pace, reasonable distances, reasonable surfaces, and reasonable shoes. If you're cautious and deliberate and nothing changes other than the distance, you can have a way to see if your pain is really increasing in response to your mileage. So then if you're sure that you've been maintaining a 1 out of or 1.5 out of 10 pain level every morning you wake up in the same spot while walking on hardwood floors going to the bathroom or uh, something like that, and, and you have this 1.5 out of 10 pain level, but it doesn't last for very long and it doesn't really even seem to be in the same spot where you had tenderness when you developed that initial injury, then it probably doesn't matter. In my mind, if the pain's not getting worse, it's unlikely that the injury is going to get worse. If you're taking pain medication or you're taking ibuprofen to mask the pain, then this whole process doesn't work. Most athletes, however, are not going to be taking anti-inflammatories or pain medication just to try to get rid of the pain and train in spite of the pain. Most runners are going to pay attention to their bodies and level of discomfort when they get back to activity. So in most cases with a very low level of pain, I would still continue to ramp up the mileage as long as the pain level continues to remain stable. Having said that, every runner has to understand that anytime there is pain, there is reason for concern. Your task is to figure out what is causing the pain and how concerning that pain may actually be. If you have chest pain and you're on the run course in an Ironman, you could be worried that you're having a heart attack. Somebody could have kicked you in the swim. Maybe you swam too hard and you pulled an intercostal muscle. Who knows? But there is reason for concern if you have chest pain. An internal medicine doctor would probably be extremely concerned if you had chest pain. When you have foot pain and you go to see somebody who treats foot and ankle injuries and they listen to your whole story and they say, okay, so you had this metatarsal stress fracture, you've done all the right stuff, you let it recover and you let it heal. Now you have this tiny level of pain. The pain is intermittent. The pain doesn't seem to be related to activity, so the pain could be from scar tissue breaking up or from nerve regeneration. You certainly can get scar tissue forming after you've had a stress fracture. In fact, Anytime you've had any tissue damage of any sort, you're going to get some amount of scar tissue, particularly if you've been in a cast or if you've you've used crutches. When you start to break up that scar tissue, you will get little twinges of pain here and there. The normal process of soft tissue remodeling of scar tissue that goes on for months after healing can result in these little weird intermittent sharp pains. 
It's mainly the progression that you have to pay attention to, and that is what really matters. If you're getting weaker or you're getting more and more pain, those are bad signs. If you don't have those things and your activity is increasing, well, they're correlated. So somebody who has had a standard overtraining injury like a metatarsal stress fracture and they start to ramp up their activity... If they're making the stress fracture worse by doing that activity, in most cases, the pain is going to ramp up at a similar rate as the activity ramps up. If you go from running one mile to three miles to five miles every other day, even if you make that jump rapidly and you don't have any increase in pain, then it seems like that would suggest the metatarsal is sufficiently healed and stable enough to take that amount of stress. Now, you have to be cautious to make sure that you don't exceed your body's strength after uh, an injury because any metatarsal stress fracture that is healing or quote-unquote healed is most likely weaker than an uninjured metatarsal. It takes the better part of a year for the full bone remodeling of the metatarsal to rebuild its full strength. That's part of the reason you need to ramp up slowly and deliberately. You particularly want to make sure that you're working on form, building your aerobic fitness, building your core fitness, and building all the other aspects of your running fitness that can help support that injured structure. All of those things can contribute to supporting that one injured metatarsal so that it doesn't develop another stress fracture just because your form is terrible and you're weak and putting too much stress on it when you start running again. So what about shoes and shoe inserts to decrease stress? Well, the biggest consideration, again, if you talk about the whole idea of decreasing the global stress, is just math, right? If you run more, you know that you increase the stress to an injured structure, whether that's a metatarsal stress fracture that's healing or anything else. If you walk more barefoot on hardwood floors during the day, all the time you're at home, if you're always barefoot on hard surfaces, that's more stress. If you wear tennis shoes or running shoes or something that is more cushioned at home, you can decrease some of that stress. If you change the inserts of your shoes to something that will either cushion you more or add more stability so you don't have abnormal forces as you pronate and supinate, those abnormal forces can apply stress to the metatarsal that's healing. Well, that can also decrease the stress. It's just math. In my mind, it's like you really want to work the math in your favor. So you want to take away the stress from the things that don't matter to you, and you want to add stress where it matters in terms of your running and increasing your activity. So yes, shoes and inserts can make a difference. In terms of a recovering metatarsal stress fracture, the main thing is impact or mechanical stress, and that happens two ways. One of them is gravity and not enough cushion. If you were to run, the worst thing would be no stability. So if you ran barefoot on hard surfaces, that's probably really stressful. The exception to that is if you're a very well-trained forefoot or midfoot striker, it wouldn't matter as much, but running barefoot, there's no cushion between you and the ground. If you have cushioning type shoes, they absorb more impact. So if you're using neutral shoes, that's the maximum cushioning and it actually cushions more. If your foot is stable enough to tolerate neutral shoes, you get the maximum cushion, and that, in theory, should decrease the amount of force to a healing metatarsal and allow you to run further. The opposite of that is trying to add stability shoes so that they're maybe not as soft, but they don't move as much, and it's that moving back and forth between pronation and supination that can send all of your forces out to one particular metatarsal and, and lead to a re-injury. It's a tricky thing to consider. Many podiatrists will recommend custom orthotics. Well, 
custom orthotics um, like mine are, are definitely, I mean, mine are definitely not the most expensive around, but mine are actually not even as expensive as the national average, but they're still expensive. So the custom orthotics that I make are $487 at, at the time of this recording, but they're expensive because we have to make them. I have to cast a mold of your feet. We have to send the casts out to the lab. The lab then makes uh, basically makes a, a molded reproduction of your foot, and they mold the orthotic uh, onto that uh, reproduction of your foot. And then I have to get them shipped back to me, and I have to bring them to you to fit you. So it's an expensive process. The thing is, of course, is that most runners... Um, don't really think that that's that expensive relative to the events and races that they sign up for. I mean, let's face it, $487 just sounds like a lot of money, but the pedals on my bike cost a lot more than that. An Ironman entry fee costs a whole lot more than that. You can't even register a half Ironman for that. It's, it's not just the cost. It's that custom orthotics actually alter the way you run. So if you're not used to running with custom orthotics, you can it can feel different to you because basically the bottom line is is in the simplest sense when we put you in custom orthotics we're altering the ground underneath you we we make sure that we actually change the way your foot hits the ground in a very deliberate way that we change your biomechanics so custom orthotics can functionally modify your running biomechanics that can help some runners it can help if you have a metatarsal stress fracture because we spread the forces out more evenly across the bottom of your foot. We can also remove material under the metatarsal that's been injured so it actually has less pressure and less stress on the metatarsal when you land. So we can use a custom orthotic to hold your foot in this position and then correct for any of what we perceive as a deficiency in your biomechanics or sort of errors in the way your foot hits the ground compared to what we think normal biomechanics are supposed to be. And by doing so, we can offload and decrease mechanical stress with custom orthotics. So yes, they can help. But the real trick is to figure out if custom orthotics are really and truly necessary for you. The way I look at it is, if you're a lifelong athlete, if I think, okay, this is somebody who's been like running for many years, who has run a bunch of marathons, runs long all the time, goes and competes in an Ironman periodically, does marathons, or is a sort of every weekend doing 10Ks or something. If you've been doing that for many years and then suddenly you get one injury, does that mean you really have faulty biomechanics? Because in my mind, if you really have faulty biomechanics, you're probably going to be chronically injured through the entire history of racing and training. When we hear that somebody has had chronic injuries, then as a podiatrist, we usually think that, okay, like how can we adjust the feet so that that doesn't happen anymore? It's kind of the opposite of what chiropractors will do in, in many ways because we have different views. A lot of chiropractors will look at you and they'll think, well, okay, you're compensating with your low extremities because your back is off. If we can make your back straight, you won't be compensating anymore and you won't have these lower extremity issues. But many podiatrists will just say, okay, well, why don't we just make some custom orthotics and see what happens? Well, my question is, is it really necessary for you? It may be. So if you try custom orthotics and it changes the way your foot is hitting the ground and it decreases some of these forces and spreads forces out more evenly in a way that's appropriate for you, then it could theoretically decrease your risk of injury. In that way, obviously, custom orthotics could help you ramp up without further injury to the metatarsals or, or, or any other injured structure for that matter. 
Most podiatrists who make custom orthotics after a metatarsal stress fracture will obviously try to take into account any flat foot deformity or any overpronation issues and all those things. But most deliberately, they will aim to protect and offload that specific metatarsal stress fracture or specific injured structure so that it can heal without so much stress as you ramp up your training. But the take-home message here isn't that you need some magical insert or custom orthotics. You don't need some particular kind of shoes necessarily. You just need a deliberate approach that allows you to assess and analyze your pain level and determine whether or not you are safely or dangerously ramping up your activity. Your body will give you an indication of whether or not your activity is too much. The first indication is pain. Pain is your primary signal that something is wrong. If the pain is getting worse with your activity or some combination of the stressors that you're applying to that injured structures are just too much, you get pain. If the pain continues and you also start getting swelling, that's an even worse sign. That means that you're developing inflammation as well. The very worst sign of all is pain associated with bruising. If you see any bruising, you're having tissue damage that's so significant, you're actually bleeding under the skin. Pay close attention to the signals from your body. Control the stressors that you can control so that you only have one variable, which would be the distance that you run, and then do everything that you can to strengthen all the supporting players around that one injured structure. And then carefully and deliberately, Ramp up your mileage with only the miles as the variable that you're going to control and manipulate. Be methodical so that you can maintain your fitness and get back to running long distances as fast as possible.